98K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Robert Kemp. The headlines. Otto Poon, the husband of the Secretary for Justice, has been fined $20,000 over an authorised pool at his house. Protesters demonstrate against the reopening of the June the 4th Museum in Mong Kok and the death toll in yesterday's earthquake in the Philippines rises. Otto Poon, the husband of the Secretary for Justice, has been found guilty of violating the building's ordinance and fined $20,000 over an unauthorised pool at his house in Toon Moon. Psalm reports. Otto Poon, who's 78 and a veteran engineer, has been convicted of building a swimming pool in his garden without seeking approval from the building's department. The acting chief magistrate, So Wai Tak, ruled that the pool couldn't be considered a temporary structure even though it wasn't fixed to the ground or attached to any water or drainage system. In handing down his verdict at the West Kowloon Magistrate's Court, the judge said the pool, which weighed up to 14,000 kilograms, had become an integral part of the garden landscape. Mr. Poon's lawyer said the 78-year-old was too sick to attend court today. In mitigation, he said Mr. Poon had been a pioneer in the engineering sector and served in the public service. Following official inspections, the pool was removed last year. Some 20 protesters have demonstrated against the reopening of the June the 4th Museum in Mong Kok. Protesters say the members of the public speaking out for the tenants and owners of Nai Wong Commercial Building, warning that having the museum there will increase the risk of fire or building collapse by bringing in crowds of visitors. It's a second protest in three days, ahead of the museum's schedule opening later this week. The museum was kicked out of its original space in Chimsa Choi by the building's owners' corporation and has had temporary lo- locations since then. The museum has been set up by the Hong Kong Alliance in support of patriotic democratic movements of China. Its chairman, Albert Ho, says he believes the protest was politically motivated. He also said that the alliance would comply with fire safety requirements. There have been gatherings frequently held in the building where, you know, um, members and churchgoers attend regularly. There have never been such complaints that it would cause fire hazard or other hazard. Of course, you know, on our side, we have to ensure that if there is many people who wish to pay visit to the museum, uh, which would possibly cause overcrowding in the premises, then we have planned to make sure that uh, the number of people admitted to the premises would be numbered and then would be kept under scrutiny. The University of Hong Kong's public opinion program is turning into an independent private organisation that will be headed by the veteran pollster Robert Chung. Dr Chung has led the university program since he set it up in 1991 and when he retires at the end of June he'll continue his work as the head of the new Hong Kong Public Opinion Research Institute. The institute has been registered and a transition process is ongoing. HKU's Dean of Social Science, William Hayward, says it didn't make sense to continue the program without Dr Chung. Dr. Chong is absolutely the leader of POP. When he leaves Hong Kong U, then actually it's very difficult for Hong Kong U to continue POP. In addition, given that through our discussions, Dr. Chong was very keen to set up the institute and, and I felt that was a very good direction to go. If we were to continue with POP, now we're in direct competition with our former colleague. That actually doesn't seem, seem, seem to make a lot of sense either. Dr. Chung says the new institute will continue the work of the POP, but he also hinted at subjects he'll be looking into in his new role. He pointed out that 2022 is the midpoint between 1997 
2047. I myself really hope that when we come to that year or that day or something near that date, society, academia, whoever in this society, will really put their hearts, their thoughts to evaluating the success or failure of one country system in the first half and then do something positive. Of course, we don't really need to wait for 2022. We should start doing it. Chief Executive Carrie Lam says she hopes a new mega sports park in Kaitak will be finished on time in 2023 and stay within budget. In a paper to LegCo, the government says the contractor faces a daily fine of $4.3 million if there's a delay. Mrs. Lam was speaking at a groundbreaking ceremony for the $13 billion project. This Kaitak sports park is the government's most significant investment in sport infrastructure in recent years. When completed, it will play an important role in realizing our sports development policy in terms of attracting major international sports events, supporting our elite athletes, and promoting community sports. Like every one of us here, I'm looking forward to the early completion of this new Hong Kong sports flagship and another significant landmark of our city. Consortium by New World Development and NWS Holdings will design, build and operate the venue for about 20 years. Lawyer Nicholas Chan is expected to become a Hong Kong deputy to the National People's Congress. The post has become vacant following the death of entrepreneur Peter Wong last month. Speaking in Beijing, former DAB leader Tam Yu Chung, who is also an MPC delegate, said the Standing Committee of the Congress is expected to confirm the decision. Hong Kong has 36 seats at the NPC. Mr Chan just missed out in 2017, coming 37th in a vote. At least 11 people have been killed by a 6.1 magnitude earthquake in the Philippines that struck large parts of the main island Luzon yesterday. Rescuers have been trying to reach dozens of people feared buried under a building near Manila that collapsed. A Manila correspondent Alan Robles says the worst of the damage was in the province of Papanga, which was the site of all 11 fatalities. These came out of the collapse of three houses, a grocery store, and a supermarket. Several dozen are still reported missing. There was a lot of damage in that province to various structures, such as, for instance, a welcoming arch over the highway. It completely collapsed and was shown pulverized. In Manila, there was alarm when buildings swayed within seconds of the quake, which rocked the city late afternoon. Manila is a mega city filled with high rises, so there were a lot of buildings swaying and cracks were reported in one station of the light railway. Sri Lanka is holding a day of national mourning to honour over 300 people killed in Sunday's suicide bomb blasts that have been blamed on a local Islamist group. Flags on government buildings were lowered to half-mast. There were also three minutes of silence at half-past eight in the morning to honour the dead. Beijing is emphasising its peaceful military plans ahead of a major naval display off Qingdao to mark the 70th anniversary of the PLA Navy. Is expected to show off new warships, including nuclear submarines and destroyers. Here's Sean Kennedy. The People's Liberation Army Naval Chief Shen Jinlong went out of his way at a naval reception in Qingdao to stress China's peaceful intentions. He said Beijing is seeking to promote trust and cooperation this week. But later today, 32 vessels and 39 aircraft, some of which haven't been seen before, will feature in a display of force in waters off the northeast port. State media have hinted that it will feature a second aircraft carrier domestically built and undergoing sea trials. China's first carrier, the Liaoning, was bought second-hand from Ukraine in 1998 and refitted on the mainland.
North Korea has confirmed its leader, Kim Jong-un, will travel to Russia for talks with President Vladimir Putin. State media said the summit would be held soon, but didn't provide details. The speculation the meeting could take place in Vladivostok, in the far east of Russia, as BBC's Laura Bicker. After the breakdown of denuclearization talks between Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un in Hanoi in February, this visit is widely seen as a chance for Pyongyang to try to show it has powerful allies and that its economic future does not simply depend on doing a deal with Washington. Mr Kim may try to lobby Mr Putin to ease sanctions. For Moscow, this could be an opportunity to prove it is a major player on the Korean Peninsula. The United States is offering a reward of up to $10 million for information that could disrupt the financing of the Lebanese Shia movement Hezbollah. The announcement comes as Washington voices concern about Hezbollah's growing role in the Lebanese government and its regional influence, including the deployment of its militia to Syria and its support for the Houthi rebels in Yemen. The U.S. Assistant Secretary of State Michael T. Evanoff explained what information they were looking for. We are welcoming any information that leads to the identification and disruption of Hezbollah's financial mechanisms and individuals who manage or facilitate them. The Rewards for Justice program has been an effective law enforcement tool in our fight against international terrorism since its inception in 1984. The U.S. House Judiciary Committee has issued a subpoena for the former White House counsel Don McGahn. The committee wants him to provide documents and testify as part of the panel's investigation into possible obstruction of justice by President Trump. Mr McGahn was a key witness in the Mueller investigation. It's BBC's David Willis. The Mueller report uncovered evidence of multiple attempts by the president to hinder or curtail the investigation into Russian interference, many of which failed because the people surrounding Mr. Trump declined to go along with them. A key example was Don McGahn, the former White House counsel, whom the president instructed to set in motion the removal of the special counsel and then lie about it. Mr. McGahn, in fact, did neither. And now the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, Democrat Jerry Nadler, has added Mr. McGahn's name to the list of those he wants to interview, along with the special counsel, Robert Mueller himself. Almost 1,700 people have been evacuated from homes in the Canadian province of Quebec, where melting snow and heavy rain have caused widespread flooding. Many rivers in the area are close to bursting their banks. An elderly woman was killed after the waters flooded the road she was driving on. Samsung has postponed the launch of its latest smartphone, the Galaxy Fold. The phone is designed to fold neatly in half, but early reviewers found the screens broke after just a few days' use. Three years ago, the South Korean company had to withdraw another smartphone, the Galaxy Note 7, after some of them caught fire, is the BBC's James Shipman. Samsung has spent nearly eight years developing the Galaxy Fold, which was due to go on sale later this week. But the company now says that won't happen, because just days after being given the phone to review, journalists reported that the screens on their devices broke or bulged. Samsung says the display could be associated with impact on areas of the hinge and has promised to strengthen the display protection. The new release date of the phone is not yet known. Short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 29,940. That's 20 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at $58 billion. Currencies, US dollars trading at 111.8 yen. The euro stands at 1 US dollar and 12 cents. So the pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 18 cents. Sport now, here's Adam Chung. 
First to football, Chelsea moved up to fourth in the English Premier League after they were held to a 2-2 draw by Burnley at Stamford Bridge. The visitors took the lead through Jeff Hendrick and then goals from Angolo Kente and Gonzalo Higuain put Chelsea ahead before Ashley Barnes got the equaliser for the visitors. The result means Burnley have all but secured their place in a top flight next season. Here's their manager, Sean Dyche. Well, you've got to think so. I mean, you know what it's like. You want it factors done-done, uh, especially when you look back at Christmas when we had 12 points out of 19. It's nice to be in this position now. The players have been tremendous. You know, to come mentally to get through that period and come out, and I think that's 28 points now in 16 games. People don't always understand how, how powerful that is. That's a really tough thing to do. And we know we've got to be resilient mentally. We've got to be resilient. We're doing all the basics. There's got to be an honesty of the way we work as a team. But also, that's the record number of goals we've scored. You know, um, 44 goals, a lot of noise made about this season. The people have actually described it as a bad season. I think it's been a fantastic season. Come through the, the beginning to get to where we are and all the challenges along the way, injuries, etc., etc. I don't think they've cried it in too much. Um, and I think they've done magnificent, the players. Snooker now and Ronnie O'Sullivan will have to come from behind against the amateur James Cahill if he's to reach the second round of the World Championship. Cahill is the first amateur to play at the Crucible and he leads the five-time champion five frames to four going into their second session today. Meanwhile, former champion Sean Murphy says there's a bright future ahead for China's Luo Honghao. Murphy spoke after beating the teenager 10-0 in the opening round. His opponent's 89 points in the match was the lowest in tournament history. Listen, I never in my wildest dreams thought, you know, after the season I've had would come here and win my first round 10-0. I tried to treat him with the utmost respect because he's, he's shown what he's got to even get here. He's had a great rookie season and I think he's going to really, you know, do some damage in the years to come. A great player in the making. He'll go home, work on his game and, and come back stronger. But for a rookie to get to the crucible is an amazing achievement he should be very proud of himself and you know, how many people have done that not many the milwaukee bucks marched into the second round of the nba playoffs by sweeping the detroit pistons in four games yanis antetokounmpo scored 41 points in a 127 104 bucks win that puts them into the second round for the first time since 2001 they'll now face the boston celtics on the ice, John Klingberg scored in overtime to send the Dallas Stars through to the second round for the first time since 2016. The Stars ousted the Nashville Predators after a come-from-behind 2-1 win in Game 6. They'll next face the St. Louis Blues. And that's your look at sports. And to end the news, our top story once again. Otto Poon, the husband of the Secretary for Justice, has been fined $20,000 over an unauthorised pool at his house. The news, Marty HK.